This Cypress Grove podcast is proud to be sponsored by Delta Wines and Brick and Mortar, our everyday go-to with sustainability built in. Delta Wines are vibrant yet balanced, made to be enjoyed on a special occasion. Brick and Mortar was founded in 2011 and has worked to create the European Wine Drinkers California Wine. The wines are small lot, single vineyard, sourced from Napa, Sonoma County, and the Mendocino Ridge. In addition to tasting good, they also help you feel good with eco-friendly packaging and environmental nonprofit donations from every purchase. Buy online at winesforchange.com. In addition, use the code CONTACTS to support us and get a discount. The presentation is beautiful, the wines are great, and you're supporting saving the earth. What more do you need? Again, that's online at winesforchange.com. Discount code CONTACTS at checkout. Now enjoy the podcast. Hello, welcome to Why Sports, a podcast designed to highlight the value of athletics as a foundation for any career path. Through interviews with professionals across industries, we discuss the impact of being part of a team, competition, learning to fail, and how those lessons transcend athletics into the workplace. Join us as we explore the importance of sports as professional development while our guests share what they have learned throughout their career. I'm your host, Justin Klein. Welcome back to Y Sports. We are joined today by Drea Blackwell, sports anchor at KSBW. Thank you for being here today. Really excited to talk to you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's dive in. You're in a unique situation in regards to this podcast in that you are a sports anchor. You are constantly <laughs> still involved in sports. And traditionally, I ask these questions for people that have moved on professionally and still participate casually, but you're in a little different situation. But let's talk about the way in which your background with athletics, in athletics, and how that's helped shape your journey on the road to your professional career. Yeah, I'm one of the lucky ones. I never had to say goodbye to it. I have been in love with sports my entire life. I'm really fortunate in that my family had season tickets to the 49ers. And so ever since I was a little girl, as long as I can remember, I've gotten to go to Candlestick Park and watch the Niners. And that really started my love of sports and with that team specifically. And then over the course of my life, going to games, picking up more sports, learning more about the leagues in general, I just knew that I absolutely wanted to work in sports and that nothing else was going to make me as happy as this was. But I didn't really know which direction I was going to go with that. So at first, especially as a woman, your options, they seem more limited at the time as I'm growing up and looking at the landscape of what's available to me. And so at first I thought I wanted to be in sports medicine and work in kinesiology or something like that. And I was a kinesiology major when I first went into college. And fortunately, I never pursued that any further because I do not need to be in, in charge of anyone's medical needs but somewhere along the line I realized that my passion for sports the way that I love it that I can do a good job of expressing that to other people and hopefully sharing that and so that's where the idea of broadcasting sort of came in and I began to be more conscious of oh okay I'm seeing more women in these roles I'm seeing more women 
take part in these types of leagues and things like that. And it piqued my interest. I ended up going into journalism. So there wasn't really a sports journalism at my school. So I have a background in news. And then eventually I just blended the two things. I grew to love journalism and I always loved sports. Mm -hmm. And then they just came together and now I get to do it every day. How would you say, if you could describe for the audience how the, let's call it work dynamics behind what you're presenting when you're being recorded work and how your background with athletics away from your reporting responsibilities, but just navigating the network, navigating the interpersonal relationships. How did your background in athletics help prepare you for that? And I probably should ask this right away, but I'm going to ask it now, besides basketball, because I've seen your highlights on your Twitter feed when you post those, but <laughs> what other sports did you play growing up and how did those influence and continue with you into what you're doing now? Highlights is a really nice word that you used uh, to describe my high school basketball career. But no, all growing up, I played soccer. Growing up, I ran track for a couple of years. I played field hockey. Basketball, I stayed with throughout high school. And so I was powder puff. We only did one game of that, but I really enjoyed it. That was like my love coming together. I loved football so much and I finally got to do it for one game. And I, I had a lot of exposure to sports and I grew up in a house of boys. And so that's like trial by fire when it comes to sports. I also tried to play Pop Warner as a young girl. It was probably like, I don't know, 10 or 11. I got blown up one time. I was like, this is over. I am out of here. I got absolutely decleated. It was terrible. It, I, I can still feel the hit when I think about it too much. That's awesome. But over the course of all of those years of being on teams, mm -hmm. it's insane how much that translates to just the adult world because in a couple of different ways, in the way that you work with your teammates in having a common goal and everybody playing their role to accomplish that goal, in being coached and being coachable, those types of things are still so relevant to what I do today. So back then you're thinking about winning a game and how I'm going to play my role. I need to come off the bench and do this to contribute, to get us a win. In my job now, every show is like a game. So what do I need to do to come into the newscast to uphold my end of this deal and make sure that we have a good show? And so it's it's definitely shaped the way that I attack every type of show, the way that I view my teammates, the way that I view everybody on the staff, because I'm in front of the camera, but there are so many people off camera who are vital to what we do to getting us on the air and to having a good show. And it's really important that I think sports helped me value that person the same way that you would value what a sixth man can bring to this team or what people's moral support, all of the different roles that people play in a team atmosphere. We have that. It's just on TV and it's a little different, but still the same elements. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's interesting that you mentioned that. I often talk in my role as I'm speaking to potential parents, to potential athletes, anybody that is asking about our program in that I believe sports help teach leadership and how to be part of something bigger than yourself. And mm -hmm. you mentioned roles, right? And how do you excel at whatever role you have to uplift and enhance 
the team's success versus getting tunnel vision on what you are or aren't getting in regards to positive feedback or recognition. And I think you mentioned that while you may be going up in front of the camera, what's going on behind the scenes is much more, I don't want to call it significant, but there's so many moving parts that mm-hmm. people aren't even aware of that. Would you take your best shot at describing for me and our listeners some specific aspects of roles that are needed, but maybe not necessarily in the limelight in order to even do one of these productions, in order to prepare you for your game every night that you have these shows? Starting from the top, just in terms of the people who are off camera behind the scenes, I have a producer. For every single show, there's a separate producer. And this person, man or woman, sits there all day and crafts this newscast. They design it. They decide which stories are going to go where. They write a ton of the stories. Mm -hmm. Depending on a given day, they decide how much time each different story is going to get. And then when we get into the show, when everything's live, there's so many moving parts. It really is like a game where you're just, the clock is running and we have to try and get this in on time and all of these things they're in charge for making the big decisions. So on the fly, they have to be very decisive and very intelligent to be able to pull this off and to communicate it to everybody properly in a way that the viewer at home then doesn't know that anything's going on, that it's a controlled kind of chaos. So the producer, they work so hard. And then in tandem with them is our director. Mm -hmm. And this is the person who would, is in charge for the physical things that you see on TV. So if you see a graphic pop up, it's because the director physically put that on camera. If you see us switch between camera shots, it's because the director has switched between. So the director and the the producer puts together the blueprint and the director brings it to life. Mm. So those two roles. And then we have so many people that are in charge of making sure that our commercial breaks run on time in charge of, making sure that the cameras are in the correct positions, giving me cues when I'm on television, trying to stand there and wave their hand to express something to me when they can't say anything. So all of these different people, we wouldn't get on the air Mm -hmm. without them. I'm just curious, you're fortunate you're the actual sportscaster, right? So this gets a little bit blurred from my traditional conversations, but let's say you weren't, let's say you are the weather person, or you are the the news anchor or a featured guest, whatever it is, what you just described sounds like the flexibility that's needed on any given story or any given moment that comes up is a really important part of your job. How would you say that being a competitive athlete growing up helped prepare you for that moment behind the camera? It's, It's one of those moments where it's like, when you go into a game, everyone has a game plan. Everyone has a way that they're going to attack this. We've watched the opponent. We know what we're going to do. We know this guy has these tendencies. Mm -hmm. And then you get in there and it's live and it's, oh my gosh, this is insane. Nothing is going the way that we planned Mm -hmm. and we have to adjust. And in terms of what it feels like to be live and having to make those adjustments under a microscope with however many viewers, I don't even like to think of how many viewers watch trying to do all of that while also keeping a composed face is it's exhilarating in a way that I don't know how many professions have that in common Mm -hmm. that the adrenaline you feel 
during a kickoff or a tip-off or any of these things, the adrenaline you have during a game, that's how it feels when there's a red light on you're going, oh my gosh, this is live TV. Mm -hmm. And even when you do your features and you're recording, mm -hmm. say, the Golden Whistle Award, you may it may not be live at that time, but you're not doing retakes. So what you shoot <laughs> is what you get and you have to edit it down, but there's no do-over button because mm -hmm. the, the people that are there have other things going on in their life. Right. Yeah, you got to get it out. Everything is treated like it's one take, even when it's not. Right. As you participate in these big productions and as you have I would imagine worked with different people throughout your career and this is a little bit loaded question you might have to dance a little bit but we'll, we'll see how it goes is it noticeable that your colleagues have a background in sports or don't and not because they understand what you're talking about on your segments but in their behaviors and their mannerisms and how they interact with others and what observations can you offer from that lens in terms of who i work with it's actually been really enlightening because i came into a situation where we had a sports anchor in place for 30 plus years who had this very established relationship with the community shout out to dennis lennon the mm -hmm. goat but Dennis had a really established relationship with the community, with the viewers, with our co-anchors, with Dan Green and Aaron Clark, with everybody. And Dennis is seriously, he's a legend. And I was coming in, I had never been on the air before. It was my very first job on the air. And so when I came in, I think I was just overwhelmed and terrified and everything. And then once I started to actually come up for air and look around me, I said, oh, Dan knows sports, Aaron knows a lot of sports, and I, they're not going to let me drown out here. <laughs> and so it was actually really helpful to have teammates around me who did know sports. Mm -hmm. And I might be the biggest nerd among them, but I had two absolute pros in broadcasting to be there and to support me, lift me up when they could tell that I was nervous and I was starting to drown on the air because for the first six months that is how it felt and i would imagine that during those moments you have an established mentor that you're learning from you have somebody coaching you up what did your experience with athletics provide as a foundation in regards to feedback loops and what many people will call criticism but <laughs> hey i dropped the ball on this and here's you know how i can get better and, and how did your experience getting coached growing up or being part of a team help you receive that in a way that was generative and helpful as you developed professionally? My athleticism by the end of it was so bad, but I was always coachable. And that's that has gone on a lot longer than me actually having to play a given sport to be coachable, to be receptive to criticism, whether it's mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not going to be constructive, but sometimes you're just getting criticism. And when you're on TV, you get a lot of it. But being able to be coachable and wanting to get better. And again, I've been so fortunate to have people around me who are so established and so good at what they do that it was a good partnership, a good blend that I had those mentors around me, like you said. But then also, I think I'm the type of person who, when... Dan or Aaron is giving me advice, I sit there and I lock in and I listen. Mm -hmm. 
and I do genuinely want to get better. Mm-hmm. And I was a career bench warmer. I'm like very comfortable with my role. I know what I contribute. I know mm-hmm. how I can make the, the team better and the shows better. And I don't have any type of ego or conflict about what my role is and what I bring to the team. So as a self-described career bench warmer, <laughs> front row seat to a lot of what was going on to being close to the coaching, to being someone who often was probably providing support and coaching for your teammates. How has that translated professionally where you are on camera, you're, let's call it the star of that particular segment every, what is it, episode? And it's a different role than, than maybe you played, but how did the skills that you learned by being an observer and being a teammate how have those translated into what you do professionally within the role you're being asked to play now? I think it makes me a lot more conscious of what the other people around me need. So I make a, a very concerted effort to mention the people, like I said earlier, to make sure that the production assistants know I appreciate them, or I hope I do. That's my goal. That's my intention when I go out is to let everybody around me know how valued they are because I know how it feels to be off camera so they say and to be to have a very important role but to not necessarily get the public recognition of that role and so I think I'm a lot more conscious of the people around me the other teammates and what they need to feel appreciated and to feel supported and that's definitely something Mm -hmm. that comes from having been in that role in athletics and feeling, okay, I'm not going to be our leading scorer, but I can be a helpful piece of like moral support. And I can help the girls feel that they're appreciated. Or Mm -hmm. if coach yells at them, I can talk to them in a more constructive way, in a way that they can process and make the most of that critique. As you have experienced, let's call it failures, throughout your career, whatever they may be, major, minor, you said the wrong word, you said the wrong name, whatever it might be. How did your experience playing all these different sports, right? You mentioned track, you mentioned soccer, you mentioned basketball, field Mm -hmm. hockey. How did that experience help shape what I tell our athletes is their mistake response? How did that help you prepare for the moment that you're in now? I know they use this. I'm going to take it back to football because that's my first love. We talk about quarterbacks having a short-term memory when it comes to interceptions, because at the end of the day, if you let one interception get you down, you still have three quarters to play. Mm -hmm. And so I try and think about it like that. I stumble all the time. I say the wrong thing all the time. Mm -hmm. And if I do that in the beginning of a segment, I still have three and a half minutes to go and it can snowball on you so quickly. And then once that show's over, I have the 11 o'clock news to do. Mm -hmm. And so I try and approach my mistakes. They do bother me because I want to be perfect every single time I go on the air. They do bother me. They frustrate me, but I try not to let them. I try to have a short-term memory. I try to let the interception go and go out there and have a good segment in the next show. And fortunately, because we have so many shows a day and then so many shows the next day, you can just let it go. A good show is the best uh, treatment for a bad show. (laughs) It, It fits with your profession being on camera. And one of the things I heard from a guy I listened to named Brian Johnson is that failures are missed takes. 
right? So you get to just do another yeah. take the next time and, and try to get better at it and take what you learned from that last one. And I always try to keep that in mind when I drop the ball on something and ah, missed that one. Let's do it again. Early on, you touched on this and I want to circle back, but being a woman in a profession that I don't know the numbers, but I can only imagine is dominated by men. How have you navigated that throughout your career? What are the things that you've had to really lean on to stay motivated, to keep things in perspective as you build your own brand and your own career so that you're competing with this weight that isn't a circumstance of your creating? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, growing up, it was very apparent to me that this was a male dominated industry and that has started to change. I'm a little bit older than even some of the ESPN reporters you see now, the female reporters. And so to see that ratio changing has been so wonderful. But growing up, I was very aware that I was a girl who liked a, and I'm using this with air quotes, a boy thing. I liked sports and I was the only girl who liked sports and I was different for that or I was thought of as different for that and eventually I just got to a point where I was like I don't care because I know more than them and and so I got almost a chip on my shoulder and that's a very when you talk about growing up with athletics that's a very competitive athletic way of looking at things too is being like oh you don't think I can watch and just approaching everything with that competitive mindset and that fueled me for a really long time of oh people think that I must not know about we can use the 49ers we'll watch this and then I could just spout all about the team and all of these different things in sports and so I lived for the moments of shutting people up (laughs) getting talking about sports and seeing their face and go oh she knows what she's talking about And now that I'm older and I have my career and those kind of things, I'm in a much happier, healthier place with that. But that's definitely what fueled me for a long time was that competitive spirit of that's fine. You don't have to believe that I'm going to, but I, I am. Yeah. I also remember talking to Pat Turner, who was the guest on episode two of this podcast. And she had mentioned, and I'm curious where this lands for you that her background as a collegiate softball player and basketball player going into the financial services industry and being one of the only women in that field really kicked open a lot of doors because she could sit at the table and talk at the same level as the people that she was surrounded with about the topic of the day, which often is about sports. Have you found that same thing, especially now you're, you're the sports anchor has that opened doors that probably would have been closed when you come into networking situations, especially around the peninsula, say food and wine or the golf tournaments or, or any of these other things that happen convention wise, has that level of expertise opened doors that probably would have stayed closed? It's definitely like a, something that we can relate to each other on that people want to talk about that people love sports. And so I definitely have found that sports has been this unifying thing for me in terms of developing other relationships outside of sports that now that I have this like association, oh, that's the sports lady. Mm -hmm. People want to talk to me about sports. And then from there you find out, oh, we also have this in common, or we also have these different interests. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's definitely helped as just a, a unifying 
in the way that sports are in that we all love them or have some type of attachment to them. And so it's a really easy thing to relate to each other on. Absolutely. You're again in a unique position, right? Cause you, you're not just reliant on your background experiences as an mm-hmm. athlete, right? You get to talk to coaches every day. You get to talk to kids that are playing. You, you have access to different coaching mentors that the, the average professional mm-hmm. doesn't. What I'm curious about is let, let's call it a motto, right? Let's say something that is a tagline that you've heard or you were exposed to as an athlete or you've been in the locker room and you've grabbed onto that and put it on your bulletin board or you have it in your toolbox that you really need to motivate yourself or to get your head in the right place. Are there some of those that you go back to that you've always carried with you and and can you share those with us? I can't think of a specific, like a motto or a sports, like a cliche or something that has stayed with me. I definitely think that the mentality has this one. I'm going to have to edit it because uh, he likes to use profanity. So I'll edit it. But the one that immediately came to my mind, because I am a very competitive Mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen the interview with Marshawn Lynch, where they're asking him about his mentality. He's run through their face. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm editing Mm -hmm. that. I think is what immediately came to my mind because you think about, and maybe this does, I think it would resonate with any athlete, but with women in particular, Mm -hmm. with trying to just get the respect that you're owed, that you deserve in this industry, Mm -hmm. you have to have a mentality of just being like, yeah, I'm going to, I don't run through their face. Mm -hmm. Like eventually you're just going to figure out that I'm capable of doing this. And yeah, maybe it's not a motto. Maybe it's just Marshawn Lynch running. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a symbolic type of thing. Absolutely. So like I just won't be taken down kind of thing. Yep. And it's again, it, the, the idea being that you learned lessons through your career as an athlete and you continue to have the, the blessing of learning these things every day as you interview different people, as you talk and observe coaching playing and and you have this bag of takeaways that you probably can't even catalog that pop Mm -hmm. up from time to time if you asked our players they could probably Mm -hmm. put together a clip tape of things we say regularly that we don't even realize we say and it's one of the things i always ask high school athletes what does coach say all the time because that you guys all have little sayings little one-liners yep 100 percent. and i'm just always curious about how those stick with people throughout their lives and their career and how they leverage that into whatever the chase happens to be for them. Besides that, besides a motto, what are the other takeaways that you can remember or you find yourself reflecting on in conversation of your own experience and how you've leaned on those throughout your career just hey coach said this or my teammate in this one moment was here and I always go back to that when tough times hit Mm -hmm. I think that especially looking back at like my senior year of high school that was a really difficult year just a time Mm -hmm. and so I reflect on that time a lot because basketball was hard at that point. I wasn't getting any playing time. Life was hard at that point and being able to still play my role and still be there for my teammates and still 
live up to the person that I'm trying to be all the time. So I do think about that a lot about that period of my life and what basketball meant to me at that time and what my teammates meant to me. And I do think that even today, because I'll have conversations with people who maybe weren't athletes in high school or weren't athletes growing up who didn't learn those types of didn't learn the lessons in that way. And I can tell that when we have conversations, my, the way that I talk about a newscast maybe is not, oh, okay. It's very team oriented. It's very, you got to do this and I'm going to do this. And together we're going to make a good show. And I talk about everything as if it's a sports equivalent Mm -hmm. or all of the analogies I make are sports. Oh, that's if you go forward on fourth and long, like it's all, (laughs) it's all reverting back to sports equivalencies or analogies and those types of things and then I'll talk to other people who just doesn't mean that they're not good at what they do but they do see the world a little bit differently so I think the way that I view relationships the way that I view my career is totally shaped by the fact that I played sports Mm -hmm. for my whole childhood no absolutely not I think that goes back to the question I asked earlier. Can you tell, right? When you're around people, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, this person has a background in athletics and they've had some some tough losses and they're not looking to be a victim here. And they've learned to look within. And and then there's these others that's like, "Mm, yeah, I don't agree with that. What role did you play in the outcome that we got? Um, That's the other one is is the accountability. And you can tell that one so quickly or when it comes to making mistakes and things like that, because mistakes are going to happen in a game, they're going to happen in a newscast, and you can tell who is used to being like, that's on me. That's a bad pass. That's on me. And that is, there's, I don't know that there's a, there must be another way of learning that outside of sports because plenty of people learn it, but you can tell the people who have not. Yeah. Well, I think what has been shared with me on the, these interviews, and this is why I really enjoy doing them, is the perspective that I gain selfishly, but also to put out there for the rest of the world is there are other ways to get that experience. But with (laughs) athletics, you get so many reps so quickly that replicating the number of repetitions that you get doing something else is very hard. I just don't, no one's ever been able to share oh, hey, there's this other thing that you can do to get the number of reps at failure, mm-hmm. right? It's like baseball, right? You fail six out of 10 times, oh, you're God, a favor, yeah. and where else can you get that? And it's mm-hmm. just, there's just not a lot of other opportunities. As we wrap up, question I generally ask has to do with, let's call it a sales pitch. So as you navigate your journey now as a mentor to others and you have younger family members around or people that maybe you can influence into decision-making. Why would you encourage or why would you sell somebody on, hey, this is a really great way to develop as a person. It has nothing to really do with going to the NBA or the NFL or whatever other accolade people think they need to get out of this. And often people don't even want to try something because I'm not good at it. It's too late for me to try, but what's the sales pitch on, hey, Think about this, and this is why you should dive into athletics. Mm -hmm. And what you just mentioned too, oh, I'm not good at this. That's the point. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the point is you're not going to be good at anything when you first start. And so if you get into athletics when you're younger and you encounter that type of failure or learn what it means to 
develop and to learn and to practice, it's satisfying later in life. And so I was not good when I first started in my position. Now, when I first went on the air, I was not good, Mm -hmm. but because of athletics, I know that I'm like, you know what that means? I need more reps. I need more reps. I need to talk to my my mentors. I need more coaching. And so it shapes your entire world. You look at things differently. The way you approach professional situations will be different. You'll have a value for a team. You'll understand roles. And hopefully people who have been on good teams, on teams that function well, learn to be able to set ego aside for a common goal, for a common good. And that only stands to benefit you. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, the accountability, there's just so many life lessons mm-hmm. that go far beyond. Okay. Yeah. I can't hit a three point shot anymore. I can't do it, <laughs> but, but I'm very, I'm accountable when I make my mistakes and that's way greater than anything else I could do. I love that. And I think the accountability piece, the trying to do something you're not familiar with is what resonates, I think, more for me as a parent, as mm-hmm. I've got two high school kids that play sports, and one of them went into field hockey as a freshman, which isn't a West Coast sport, right. not a female sport globally. It's more of a male-dominated thing, but in the United States, a female endeavor, and on the West Coast, there's a small portion of people, so we get all these kids that show up and they want to try volleyball or these more mainstream sports and they steer away from field hockey. And I'm constantly trying to shove them out there because <laughs> it's a great game, but they don't yeah. know what it is. And so it's like, mm-hmm. just go out there and play. And it's just fun. figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Because the bar of entry in that sport, I think is much lower because nobody's played. They're all starting the same place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's not how your mind works. You see this thing that could be challenging and you almost steer away from it. So I think that your point of because you're not good at it is the point that go and figure out something that you can take with you on your journey through life. It's Uh, one of those things. It's it's, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to find a different room. Like how boring would life be if just every single thing you tried and maybe I'm only saying this because I wasn't particularly gifted athlete like that but life would be so boring if everything you picked up you're just like oh I'm great at that mm-hmm. oh I'm fantastic at this mm-hmm. that's not the point you find what you love and you work to be good at it I think we can all observe whatever side of the aisle we happen to fall on that background in sports would probably be helpful for people when they experience an unexpected loss and don't know how to handle it and navigate it tactfully with class moving forward. I think to that point, it's a great opportunity for people to dive in and and learn how to deal with failure and learn some lessons of how how to be a good teammate and how to respect your opponents, et cetera. And and I love what you do. It's fun watching you on the news and uh, thanks for being here today. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you found this valuable, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and give Y Sports and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support.